You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. In favor, take a deep breath. Now you feel better? Because we're going to talk about something that we've never talked about here before in our church this morning. Like we've been two years and six months and we've talked about a lot of things. We've investigated a lot of passages. We've been challenged in a lot of ways. But there's one thing that we've never talked about. And the moment that people figure out what you're talking about, they do a couple of things. They either tune out, they start getting these thoughts in their heads that aren't true, or they realize what's being taught is good. So this morning, we're talking about giving, giving, okay? Everybody's still with me and still good? All right, some people online have already tuned out. It's okay. We're going to talk about giving, and I just want to tell you up front, because I, 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 we're an honest community here, this is a subject, the reason we haven't talked about it in two years and six months is because it's a topic that I've never liked to talk about. Money is a thing that I don't like to talk about because, unfortunately, people have a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to money in the church. Am I right? So some of you have probably been hurt by money in the church. Some of you, um, there's just something within it that bothers you every time it comes up about giving money or giving of your time to serve. There's There's some emotional wounds there. There's some spiritual wounds that have happened. And I don't want to discredit those things. But what I do want to tell you is that As much as I have dodged this conversation, I have realized more and more that as a pastor, I would be leading you in the wrong direction if we just did not have this conversation of what the Bible has to say. And so I think we have to talk about it. And and throughout the day, I want to share a little bit off and on of of my story when it came just to giving of my time and giving of money and what, what God has done in that. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just talking about what it means to be generous, not just with finances, but also with your time and in the talents that God has given you, okay? We're still good. Y'all didn't respond that time. That one, that one concerns me. Okay. All right. Because I'm going to just preach to the camera. I just need to know who's ready, who's ready, who's ready, who's ready. I just, that sounds like a T.D. Jakes reference. Y'all ever, never mind. Rabbit trail. Let me ask you this question. How many of you would say right now that you're blessed? Maybe not just financially, just overall, you feel blessed. Like, life's going pretty well. This is a, we're coming up in, on, on November, and November is a time frame where we spend a lot of time just should be thinking about things that we're thankful for, right? We're going to sit around a table, and we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, and we're going to give thanks for some things. Um, hopefully, there's no power struggles that happen at your table. But I think we can all say to some degree, that we have been blessed. But what if I said the blessing that you live in now, that God wants to do more in that blessing? Like, there's a lot more. So how many of you would say, I would like to be even more blessed than what I am now? Okay. This is not prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that if you want to be more blessed, then you need to give more, do more, and then God's going to give you a Rolls Royce. Okay? That ain't happen. I'm not going to say it. God can do whatever he wants. But from what I find in Scripture, nowhere has he given anybody a Rolls Royce or a spare camel. They've got nothing. Okay? So, but he tells us in his word 
that if you want to be more blessed, because we all live underneath the blessing, the fact that we got up this morning and took a breath was a blessing, wasn't it? I mean, we complain. I know gas is like $4 a gallon, $3 a gallon, whatever it is right now. I just stop paying attention to it because it, I get heartbroken every time I pump gas. And um, like, there's a mortgage, there's a mortgage, there's a mortgage. But, but even with our gas prices, even the smallest thing, like we're blessed right now. I was speaking to someone the other day, and they said in Haiti, it's $16 a gallon, living off $2 a day. So how many of you now would say that you're blessed? See, we always are more blessed than what we think we are because God has provided. He's provided. And even in Haiti, they would tell you it's $16 a gallon. God has still blessed us. Even with the turmoil, God has still blessed us and will continue to bless the people. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, they're, they're quoting Jesus, and here's, here's what they say. It is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't believe this verse was true because I always felt like the blessing was in the receiving end, right? You probably felt the same way at Christmas time, am I right? You would come flying down the stairs waiting on mom and dad to get up. You hadn't even thought about buying them a gift. Like, your gift was probably the, the, the noodle craft that you made and glued to the piece of paper. That was your extent of the gift. But you were waiting to, to accept and receive whatever it was underneath that tree, whether it was a new bike or the newest gaming system or, or some books or whatever it was that you wanted. We probably always saw this as, you know, for us as kids, it was about the receiving end. But to your parents, it was the giving end. I've learned, like, as, as a parent, I love buying my kids gifts watching them accept those gifts and open them and the thrill. Just this past week, we've been on a three-week argument in my house, a, a very godly argument, where my girls wanted a dog. Problem is, we already have a dog. Okay? We, we're good. We've had a dog for five years. He's my buddy. I love him to death. We have one. But then they came up with this concept, thanks to our neighbors, we need... A pocket dog. So what's a pocket dog? It's one that goes in my purse. Well, that's not a dog. That's a rodent. If you can step on it, I don't know that it's considered to be a dog. So we had this conversation for three weeks. You know, and guys, you can understand that sometimes we just let conversations go on because we're just sure that those conversations are just going to eventually just... It didn't happen that way weeks they were consistent and on Tuesday my wife Allison gets in the car and she makes the drive to Lancaster to, to go look at a dog y'all know what that means right I'm going to look I'm going to look I don't know is it is it going it's me I promise the power button's on the 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 term in in the Hebrew to to go look means to buy because I go look at new shoes, and that means I'm going to buy them. She calls me and says, we're on the way back. I said, we who? She said, oh, me and Stevenson and our new puppy. I was like, I'm going to surprise the girls. I was like, well, let me get over to the surprise first that we, we now own a new dog. So I go pick the kids up from school, and I get them home, and they're doing whatever they want to do after school. And 
Allison calls in the driveway, tell the kids to come outside. And they walk out, and this dog is like sitting off to the side, and they walk right past it, didn't even recognize the blessing that was sitting there that they've been asking for. And I called them back, I said, no, what your mom needs you to get is right here. And they come back, and I'm, I'm talking about like level 10, oh, we got a dog, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I'm going, yeah, we got a dog. You're like, we got a dog. But the joy of that moment was in their faces of what they received. But for me as their father, being able to give them that was the blessing. And I would give that dog ten times over to create that moment again with my kids. And the dog has already understand the gift of giving and receiving as well. Um, there's little spots on the carpet that it gives already. But, but there's, there's a power that Jesus is saying here that it's more blessed when we give than it is when we receive. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a, sometimes a hard concept because the challenge is that we think we're blessed by what we get. The more that I have, the more blessed that I am. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not about what, how much stuff you get, it's how much stuff you give. It's how much time you give. It's how much finances you give. It's how much of that talent, that, that gifting that God has given you, that you give towards the work of the kingdom. And these are Jesus' words. He's saying the reality is that we have to be generous people, and when we're generous, there's a blessing that comes with that because we learn to trust that God is our ultimate provider. That we have an opportunity to give back to him what he has given to us. I think about, like when I, I went to Starbucks a few weeks ago, and I went to pay my bill. And when I went to scan the app, they said, oh, don't worry about it. The car in front of you got you. Now, what does that feel like when that happens to you? Anybody ever had that happen at a restaurant? Somebody just paid your bill? It's an incredible feeling. And my bill was like five bucks, but still it was five bucks of somebody's hard-earned money, and they, they took the time to think about me behind. They didn't know what they were paying for, right? So I thought, I'm going to keep this thing going. I said, I want to pay for the car behind me. She says, cool, that'll be $35. It's like, oh, Jesus, uh, please, is this okay for me not to give? But, but I pay for the car behind me, right? Um, that's a dangerous game of roulette because you never know what's behind you. But there was something about that moment of receiving, but there was more about that giving. And that, that's, the, that's what I want you to comprehend here. There, there's, there's a blessing in the giving, but there's more of a, of a blessing. I mean, there's a blessing in the receiving, but there's a lot more blessing in the giving side of that. And so if we can just internalize the truth, it's life-changing, that it, it is indeed more blessed for us to give than it is to receive, we'll be more on a path of what Jesus was telling us. We will begin to, to live out the values of the scriptures in the way that he has commanded us to live. This is not about, hey, we want more of your money. Hey, I want to get paid more. This is not that conversation, okay? I, I don't want you to give financially or give of your time because we need it. I want you to give financially and give of your time and give of your talents because I want you to be obedient to what the scriptures say. That's the heart. This, this is not about getting more money or starting capital campaigns or, or coming up with fancy slogans to get you to give more. This is not that conversation. So I want you to hear my heart. 
My heart is, I want you to be able to fully live out what the Scriptures intended for us to be. Are we good with that? Because there was a time in my life that I didn't. Okay? I was on staff at a church in Lancaster, South Carolina, that occasionally I would give a tip to God. I would never serve anywhere because my excuse was, I work here. So I serve all the time for a paycheck that I don't even obediently give portion of it back to the church because I justified in my mind I'm just paying myself. Nowhere in the scripture did that justification meet uh, the qualifications to not tithe, by the way. And I remember going through and every once in a while I would occasionally tip God because I had an excuse. My excuse was I don't have time to, to serve in the volunteer. I don't have a lot of money to be given away. I mean, my wife was a public school teacher, and I was a Southern Baptist youth pastor. That was right there on the line of poverty, okay? I don't know if you know, but that was right. The churches like to make people poor for some reason, and the school district did too. And so we're right on the line, so our excuse was always, well, we just don't have enough to give. So every once in a while, when there's a little bit, we'll tip God. And then we moved, and we came to Monk's Corner, and we were in that same boat. Still not financially anywhere where we needed to be. Still not giving of our time outside of what I was supposed to be doing as far as a job. And I'm telling you, the the struggle was real. Because it was like you could never keep up. You never had enough time. You never had enough money. You never had enough of anything. And then I sat down with someone one day. And they said, I want to pastor you for just a second. You don't have enough because you're in a posture of receiving constantly. And you're not in the posture of giving. Because what happens with giving is God gives, you receive, you give. God gives, you receive, you give. It should be passing from your hand. And what you're doing is passing it from your hand right into your account. You're putting it in your time account. You're putting it in your financial account. But you're not putting it into the kingdom account. Where that pays dividends. And I made every excuse in the book. I came right back to the same excuse that I had used for years. Well, I'm already been paid to serve. I don't have time to serve. I work 40 hours a week, so I, I can't come back up here and just randomly volunteer somewhere because I, I work here. That's weird, right? That was justification. And, and, and don't I just pay myself with that money? So what's the point? Every once in a while, I tip. I do what I need to. And they told me the same thing was this is not what God has called you to do. And you, you can never talk to people about giving. And you can never talk to people about serving until you get this right in your life. And I'll tell you, it, that was a hard conversation. I remember 12, I think it was 12 years ago, writing our first check of a tithe. And when that thing left my hand, I thought about every possible worst case scenario that could happen. You know, we got a new baby. What's going to break? Y'all know that happens all the time, right? Transmission goes out, refrigerator decides to not work anymore, and then you call the warranty company that keeps calling you about the extended warranty that you find out is not extended on that particular part, and now you need a new fridge. But can I tell you that the moment that we released, God took care of everything that needed to be taken care of. And you know what we did with what, what that was? We took it and we gave it right back. And we just kept this revolving theme. And we were like, I think we can give a little bit more. Let's give a little bit more. And then with my time, I was like, you know what? 
we got people that work 40-hour week jobs, supposed to work 40-hour week jobs, and then they end up working 60 or 70, and they show up here every weekend, and they move chairs, and they unload trailers, and, and they print out curriculum, and they do all this stuff in their free time, and I think that I'm too good to do that because I work a 40-hour week job here. I got a heart problem. I need to get that heart problem right. So I started finding ways that I could serve outside of my normal time. And so I remember for years, the one thing that I knew that I knew how to do was actually put song lyrics in a computer. So that's what I did for 11 years. That was my area that I would serve outside of my work time. That I would sit down at night and I would put lyrics in a computer. And then I found other things. And here's what was funny about that. God started prioritizing my time where I started getting more time when I thought I was losing time. So I had all this extra time that I was giving back to God and God was creating more things. What was he doing? He was creating for me this concept of that when you give and release, I, I, give, a, I give more if you trust for you to give more. And that the blessing was in that. Now that wasn't easy. And I'll tell you, there, it's, still not, it's still not easy. You know, in Proverbs chapter 11, it says this, that one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds, but comes to poverty. Did y'all catch the, the differences? When, when one gives freely, he gains more. And then one withholds, he comes to poverty. When we don't give, what the Bible's saying is we don't give of our time and talents and treasures, then what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a level of poverty spiritually, emotionally, and even sometimes physically. But he says a generous man will, what's that word? A generous man will do what? He'll prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He, he's saying this, is that when, when you give, it's refreshing. When God refreshes you, you refresh others. And see, a lot of people take this, this the wrong way, and what they hear is a prosperity of going, if I give, God blesses, and that's the end of it. No, that is not the end. That is just the beginning, my friends. We are a conduit of the gospel and God uses our time our talent and our finances to be the conduit to get the gospel out and to get obedience because when we can let go of things things do not have a hold on us so he says if you give freely you gain more if you withhold poverty the bank would tell you the opposite of that if you went to the bank and you told them that hey I give freely I just I just give freely because I know, I know that's going to make my bank account skyrocket. And I'm going to open a savings account because I want to be poor. That's the complete opposite of what the bank would tell you, is it not? But the, the economy, Jesus' economy, is a lot different. He's a completely different uh, manager when it, comes to, in, to, when it comes to us being stewards of the resources that he has given us. In 2 Corinthians, he says this, remember this, remember this. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, you, you plant a little bit of seed, you'll get a little bit of harvest. You plant a lot of seed, you'll get a lot of harvest. He says that each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in, in the actual Greek language actually means hilarious, like overflowing with joy I want to do this see there's a difference and, and some of you give right now and here's what I want to tell you some of you give right now because you feel like you have to 
and it's become a burden. Anytime that you feel like you have to serve, you have to give, you have to use your talent, that is a burden mindset. And I do not want you doing any of those three things with a burden mindset. Because God did not ask us to do these things for us to feel that we were chained to something. He is in the chain-breaking business. We serve because He has set us free, and we realize what He's done for us, and we want to use everything that He has given us to be able to make a difference in the kingdom because He made a difference in our lives. Are you following me on this? Okay. He says, so, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all, what's this word? He's able to make all what? I love that word. Charis. Grace. Because we're not going to always get this right. Every Sunday that you show up to serve and it's your time to serve and to be a part of whatever area it is that you give in, sometimes you're not going to be very cheerful. Right? Oh, y'all don't believe it? We can go back to kids' era right now. One of them's going to throw a, a gummy at you, right? One of them's not going to stop talking when you're trying to do it. Ask the, our stream for two weeks. We've done everything we can do, and the stream just disappears. You think those guys were cheerful? Yay, the stream went down. We're so excited. No, they weren't. But God says when we're cheerful, there are going to be days that we're not. But he makes his grace abound in every good work. See, if we'll just bring what we have to the table, he'll take care of the rest of it. He'll take care of the rest of it. He prepares the table. We just bring our mess, and he makes grace abound. He says this, that he's going to abound in every good work. You will be made rich in every way. This is not just financially. If you limit the blessings of God to finances, you completely miss the point, and you will be robbed of the true joy of giving that God's trying to tell us in the scripture. So this is not just finances. He's saying that you'll be made rich in every way. You, your friend, you'll have healthy friendships. You'll have healthy marriage. You'll have healthy work environments. You'll just be a healthier person spiritually and emotionally and even physically because you, you've realized that what you have is not yours. We're just stewards. I think about it like when I go in my garage, that the things that are in my garage, my mower, my, my Traeger, my golf cart, I mean my, my, my shovel, my, my water hoses, these aren't my things. Probably some of them aren't. I probably borrowed them and forgot to give them back. But if somebody needs something, here, well, what happens if you don't get it back? It was God's. The only thing that I'm crazy about is my books. If you take a book and don't bring it back, I will track you down. And I keep those things uh, written. But he says, you're going to be rich in every way. So don't just get stuck in the money. Realize that God says he wants to bless every single area of your life. Listen, so that, there's a reason that he wants to do it, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Because when you're giving of your time and your talent and your finances, it's fun. It's fun to watch what God does with that. I mean, there, there, there are times that, um, like, I'll put the song lyrics in. I still put song lyrics in every Sunday for us. And it's fun to watch y'all sing those things, especially when there's a misprint. It's really fun, right? There's a, there's a joy in doing that. 
Because, see, I used to say that all I did was put lyrics into a, a computer. But what I realized is God's like, no, you don't just put lyrics in the computer. When you put the lyrics in the computer, you're literally putting the words in the mouths of the people to sing back to me. That's a whole different way, isn't it? If we didn't put the words of some of these songs on the screen, y'all would be doing what I do when I lead worship half the time. Ad-libbing. If you say Jesus, Jesus over and over again, people think you're in the spirit. So, worship leader hack. He says, so you're going to be generous on every occasion. And, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, because true giving is not a place we find ourselves complaining. It's a place that we find ourselves cheerful, excited. I'm glad I get to do this. Not a burden mindset or I have to. You don't get to do it because you're part of this amazing church. You get to do it because you're part of this amazing kingdom of God. Like what we do in here goes out and it literally changes. If we want to see change in our community, we've got to get it right here as a church. We've got to mobilize here. We've got to be spread out. We've got to take what we do here and the conversations we have in our disciple groups and we've got to take these things out into our community. He says, so in every way, he wants to bless you. Every occasion, he wants to bless you that your generosity results through Thanksgiving. So my question is, and this is what I want us to think about, why are there not more people that are more generous? If Jesus said this, why are we not more generous? Because I have a tendency to be selfish with things. Hey, can you come help me do, uh, I don't feel like I can do that. Hey, could you give a little bit towards, mm, I don't know, it's going to be tight this month. My kid's got a dog. Well, you know, my tire's been making a noise. I'm probably going to have to replace that. And so it's like we can, we can get in these, these things that keep us from giving. And I, and I want to give you a, a couple of mindsets. We talk about mindsets. But one of the mindsets is that we can get into this. People don't give because they have what we call a bag mindset. A bag mindset. And what a bag mindset is is that these are people that, that believe that they don't have enough. They don't have enough to give. They don't have enough time. They don't have enough finances. They don't have, God's not giving them any kind of a, a gifting or talent that they can use. They simply don't have enough. And they live by the bag. So like we live, we live by the bag. And what we try to do with our bag is every time we get, we get money, we, we, we put the money in the bag. And we try to secure the bag. Okay? If you read DJ Khaled's book, he talks about securing the bag. Cultural reference today. But we, we secure the bag, and we hold tight to our bags, and then we get to the end of the month, and we put everything we can in the bag. We get to the end of the month, and the bag is empty because we realize our bag has holes in it. It's like we never have enough. Maybe, maybe you relate to what he says in Haggai 1.6. He says that, that you eat, but you do not have enough. Right? There's somebody's house you're going to for Thanksgiving. That that's the way they cook. You eat, but there's not enough. He says you eat. Enough. We would, um, you drink, but you're not with drink. You clothe yourselves, no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes in it. Because we live in this, this mindset a lot of times to where I can't give because at the end of the month my bag's empty. Because I feel like no matter how much I do, no matter how much I work, 
no matter how much time I try to save and how much I try to relax, it's never enough because the bag at the end of the month always feels depleted. You felt that way? Like maybe you're there now is that you feel like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much time that I give. It's just never enough. So we fill our bags up and our bags are empty and we think that, you know, our bag starts to get heavy and we're like, hey, I'm called up. This is a good month. And then the transmission goes out. Right? Then the basement floods. Then something crazy happens. And it's like, well, I thought I had enough. And I don't. And and we end up with this, this scarcity mindset that when something like that happens, we fear and we hoard and we protect because what if? I was in a church one time that we had over two hundred and something thousand dollars in the bank, and we were going to move in on doing um, some expansion stuff, and they would not expand because they said, we don't have the money. And I'm thinking, there's two hundred thousand dollars in savings. Well, that's our rainy day fund in case the roof messes up. We need to replace it. It's like, don't we pay insurance every month that if the roof messed up, we would get a new roof? Oh, we just don't want to touch it. What were they doing? They were living in scarcity. Because there was a time to where they were putting so much in the bag that the bag had a hole in it at the end of the month. And so now they're scared to do anything that they're supposed to do. So we, we can be in these scarcity mindsets when we live by the bag. Um, there was a guy in the New Testament by the name of Judas. He didn't hang around long. But and so Judas, i got to make sure you're awake. Judas, um, he was the money guy. He was the money guy. He carried the money bag around. He was very particular about the money bag and and how much was in the money bag. Um, We would later find out that he was filling his own money bag. But there's a particular story in the scriptures where Jesus allowed an immoral woman to put perfume on his feet. And the, 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 the price of the perfume was like an entire year's wage. And he fussed about it. Like, why are you letting her put this expensive perfume it's it's worth all this money and you don't do that he he was consumed by what was in the bag because she was trying to pour out the blessing and give her best to Jesus and here he is going no 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 don't do that that's too much don't do that he was more concerned about his bag you know I think that people people don't give today and the scripture says that the tithes belong to God but we don't give because we're, we're so protected over this that we don't trust that God's going to make sure that this bag has everything that we need in it at the end of the month. Isn't it interesting that we'll trust God with our salvation, but we can't trust him with the simple things in life? We can't trust him with the simple things in life. But I trust him with my internal security. Framework that for a few minutes. So we can live by the bag, Or we can live with a basket mindset. A Chip and Joanna Gaines basket. Because it's the kingdom. The basket mindset is the person who believes that God is an abundant God. It's the God that I can trust Him. A God that, that He's more than enough. And that God is abundant. These are the people that live from the basket. They're not really worried about the end of the month. There's no holes in their basket. This is their basket. And, and if you'll read in Deuteronomy 
28, verses 4 through 6, it says, The fruit of your womb, I'm going to be honest, the first time I read that, I, I read fruit of the loom. And I realized it wasn't talking about underwear here. But I guess we could bless them if you want to. Anyway, the fruit of your womb will be, what's the word? Blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. And he goes on like all these things are going to be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. And you will be blessed. Y'all see a common theme in words here? Okay, just want to make sure you didn't miss it. Sometimes the Bible um, wants to make sure that, that we, we hear clearly. So it will repeat the same thing over and over again. But we'll be blessed when you come in and when you are blessed. Jesus gave this interesting teaching again on a basket in Luke chapter 6. He, he said these words that give and it will be given to you. Good measure, right? And he's not just he's not talking just about finances in this verse again. But he says if you give it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I want you to hear these words, running over, it will be given to you. He is speaking of a time about the basket when the laborers would go out into the fields and they would put all the grain into their baskets. And the laborers can get whatever they wanted because the laborers got to come back the next day. They got first pick of the crop because they were the workers. But the second group were those in poverty. Remember Ruth? Ruth was picking up the seconds. And where the laborers knew that they could come back and they would just grab and put in baskets and it's okay, we can come back tomorrow and get more. The poor were taking their grain and shoving it down in and getting all the air out to pack it as tightly as possible because it may not come back tomorrow. But, but Jesus is saying here, if you give, it's going to be given to you. That, that he's going to give us to the measure, good measure, full baskets that have been pressed down shaking all the junks out of it it is running over that's what he's saying is going to be given to you in abundance when we're obedient and living from a basket life that changes the game because it's more than enough that he crams in here and there's no dead space he has removed all the dead space to bless us to bless other people there's another story that Jesus uses with a basket a little boy shows up one day Jesus is preaching there's over, uh, it's called the feeding of the 5,000, but they only counted the men. There were women and children there, so a lot of scholars believe that there were upwards of 15,000 people sitting on this hillside in the region of Galilee. They were hungry. It kind of gives this notion the disciples were like, Jesus needs to chill out. He's been preaching a long time, and I'm hungry, right? Like, you'll start to feel that here in just a few minutes. And Jesus... They, they went to Jesus and said, these people need food. Let's release them for the day. There's nowhere close for them to go and get it. And there's a little boy standing there with his basket and his lunch. It's just a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish. And they're like, go, go get that. And I'm like, what you, what you going to do with that? There's not a whole lot in the basket. And do you know what happened that day? The little boy, who, by the way, was not in the number count, so he wasn't even counted in the 5,000 the one that nobody counted on, took the little that he had and put it in the hands of Jesus and blessed the entire hillside that day. 
And, and here's what I love about the story. That when all was said and done and everybody was full and rested and just laying out, thinking about how delicious the food was, there were leftovers. Twelve of them to be exact. How many disciples were there? Here, let me give you a reminder of, of my abundance and my goodness. Because the next thing that happens is they get on a boat to go to the other side and there's a storm raging and I guarantee they were doing this to their baskets as a reminder of the abundance and the goodness of God. We can live from a bag life to where we worry about scarcity and we try to protect everything and it just seems to never be enough. It's not the place that you want to be. You can live a basket life where God packs it down and, and it's more than enough. But there's, there's, another, there's another mindset that he says you can have a basket mindset of back, or you can have a barn mindset, a barn. The barn is those who know that God is infinitely more than enough. That, that's a whole different realm of I know that everything that I could possibly need is more than enough because God provides. And, and there have been seasons in my life where I knew that if God didn't answer, there was no way it was going to happen. No way. But I had to release what he had given me so that he could bless and do what he needed to do with it. Sometimes I am the biggest roadblock to the blessings that God wants. All the time I am the biggest roadblock to the blessings that God wants to do through me and in me. Because I, I, I have a tight fist on things. And what he wants to do is to have us to, to let it go. To let it go. He says in Deuteronomy 28, 8, the Lord will send a what? A blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to. He'll give you everything you touch. God will use you to bless that in these relationships and friendships and your marriages and, and all these things that you have. He's saying, Listen, if, if you do these things, I'm going to send a blessing on your barns and on everything. Like there's going to be this, just this overflow of everything. Imagine you're faithful with what's in the bag and then you're faithful to what's in your basket. And then one day God gives you a barn that is overflowing. This happened. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, but Joseph was faithful in the pit they throw him into. He was faithful to the prison that he was thrown into. He was faithful when he was in the palace. He, he was faithful when he became the second in command in a pagan country as a Jewish man. He was faithful. And the famine hit, and they didn't have food all over the, the known world, but guess who had food? Egypt did. Because God blessed Egypt because of Joseph. And his barns were full of grain. And so when, when you're faithful, when you're faithful to God, and you allow him to use what you have in a similar way, he's saying your barns are going to be overflowing. Like you're not just a tither at this point. This is a whole different ballgame. Like you are moving of just blessing everybody. I want to take this microphone off. Is that cool? We're going to give, gosh, so good. 
So he's going to give and provide the way he needs to. That he's going to take care of you the way that he needs to. That he wants to bless us. But we're the roadblock. We're the roadblock. He wants to bless our community, but we can be the roadblock to causing that not to happen. God wants you to know, he wants me to know how much he wants to bless us. Because that's the God that he is. That's the God that he is. He is a loving, gracious, caring, giving, generous God. And if you can understand that, I can promise you that your relationship with him will completely shift. Because it puts trust. The thing that we love the most and we are so worried about is our finances and our time. And we worry about it so much. What happens when we put those things like we did with our internal security into the hands of God? What can he do through it? What can he do through it? I understand that maybe you've been hurt and you don't serve because you've been hurt and you're scared you're going to be taken advantage of and you don't give because you're worried about these things. Do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. Because you're robbing yourself of what he wants to do in and through you. There are people that he has for you to have conversations with. Spiritual conversations. He's got people that he wants you to encourage. And when you're not giving yourself, your, your whole self to him, you're robbing yourself and those people of those blessings. Are, are we on the same page here? I'm sorry that maybe you've been hurt in your giving and you don't trust the, the institution of the church. I'm sorry. You can trust this one. And I'll just be straight up. When they asked what my salary was going to be here, we had this whole conversation that's set. I'm not about making money here. I'm not trying to make a $150,000 salary with a house up on a hill and a, a retirement home in Hawaii. I'm just trying to be faithful to the kingdom and allow God to take care of what he needs to take care of. And I can promise you this, that he has provided every step of the way. Every step of the way. Because our hands have to be open. They have to be open, and we have to live with this mindset that God wants to overflow so that we can give. Don't let past experiences dictate that. That is the enemy. That is the enemy. You allow Jesus to redeem those places that you've been hurt and move forward. Go and serve for him. Go and serve for him. Go get give for him. Don't do it for you. Don't do it for a church. Don't do it for a pastor. Don't do it for a friend. You give for Jesus of those things. And you give him everything that you have. Everything. Luke 16 says this, that whoever can be trusted with very little, that's what's in the bag, can also be trusted with much. That's what's in the basket. I remember I told my youth pastor one time growing up, because, you know, in middle school I knew everything. I said, I want to lead worship. He said, okay. I said, can I lead next week? He said, sure. So I brought my guitar and I showed up. I said, I got some songs. He's like, oh, I think you misunderstood. I said, but you told me I could lead worship. He said, oh, you are. Here's a broom. I want you to lead all over that floor over there. Sweep it up. You can sing whatever song you want to sing, but worship starts with serving. And if you want to be given much, I'm going to give you little. So every Wednesday before youth, 
sweep the floor. After you, sweep the floor. I said, let me guess, on Sunday, he's like, sweep the floor. And I was not very positive about that for the first few months. But he taught me a valuable lesson. That God was more concerned about my heart of generosity and serving than he was about me standing up in front of people trying to show off a gift that I had. That, by the way, wasn't that great. But whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. The question is, can he trust you and will he trust you with the blessed life that he wants to give you? Proverbs 3 says this. It shows us how God is actually watching and trusting us. And he says these words as we close. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all of your crops. He's talking about the first tenth. He says, return the first tenth to God. And then your barns will be filled. They will be filled with overflowing. The beauty of the tithe. When we talk about the financial piece, the beauty of the tithe is that it teaches us to trust God. It teaches us that God can do more with the 90% that's, that he's given us than the 100% that's not blessed, that he can do more. We're going to talk more over the next couple of weeks on what that looks like. But I want you to leave here today processing and thinking, what mindset am I living in here? And if I allowed others and past experiences to dictate why I don't give of my time and I don't give of financials and I don't give of talents, have we allowed other people to do that? And if so, call it what it is. It's it's the enemy attacking. It's time to ask Jesus to heal those wounds and bandage them. You cannot carry that burden. It's hard to look like Jesus and carry burdens on our shoulders. Can Can I get an amen with that? You can't carry the burden that you were never intended to carry. He carries those. I want to pray for you, and we're going to sing. And I just want to ask this, that the next couple of weeks, you just trust me. Just trust me. And hear my heart. But most importantly, I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you on this topic. Because you can hear everything I have to say. It doesn't matter if you do not hear from the Holy Spirit. He has the ultimate authority and the ultimate guidance in all of us. So, Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Just pray right now, Father, that in this room, that there's stirring, there's probably thought processes, there's probably things that we're, we're pondering, but what, what we know is, is that you have called us just to release. Everything that we have is yours. You have called us to steward those things. And so, Lord, I just pray for wounds that have been that have been placed on on the lives of many of those in this room. I just pray for healing for those today. The enemy will use those wounds and will keep reopening them and will will snatch Band-Aids off of them to make them hurt and remind us of the past. But God, you you have redeemed us and rescued from those past. You have bound uh, the wounds up. By your stripes, we have been healed. We proclaim the blood of Jesus over those things. So Father, in these moments, I just pray that we would hear from you clearly that we would be obedient to whatever it is the Holy Spirit is telling us to. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.